Captain's Log, the podcast devoted to discussions and insights into pop culture with an emphasis on the supernatural, occult, and the all-around strange happenings of our world. Our mission? To boldly entertain like no one has before. Stardate 05192020. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Captain's Log. This is your Captain Jose Valle Jr. with me, as always, joining me across the United States in the heart of America is Mason Trader. Mason, how first, have you been? First officer. First Mason officer Trader. Mason Trader, mind you. That's a new. That's a new title. First officer. Anybody Mason that calls Trader. him first mate is gonna get their fucking knees broken. Yes. So. Well. Now, I don't. I mean, it's fine. I just I like first officer more. It makes me feel more important. How have you been, Mason? Uh, pretty good, man. I mean, I'm still alive and I'm not sick. I mean, that's, that's good news for now. For now. For now. Yeah. Um, I send over a little package uh, to your house. <laughs> oh, okay, let's Jesus. just jump in then, right? Yeah. I guess. Uh, right off the top, uh, we should mention this before we get any further because I might forget at the end. We no longer have our Amazon affiliate link, so anybody that's doing Amazon shopping or anything like that that wanted to support us, fortunately, you no longer can because Amazon is kind of they're kind of dummies and um, we're not popular enough for them yet. But we also, are coming for that money, Amazon. Well, okay, I'm gonna throw this out here now, and you can cut it out if you think this is mm-hmm. gonna be detrimental to the podcast. But uh, I think we should probably boycott Amazon anyway because they are not taking care of their workers in the middle of a pandemic. So this actually has nothing to do with the fact that they canceled our ad with it with them. Nope, nothing uh, to do it. But but yes, you are right, and we will honestly, stand by that until they offer us a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Once they get us in the ten thousand or above, you can, you can buy my support <laughs> back, Amazon. We're gonna get an email after this episode comes out, and they're gonna be like, "All right, here's your fucking money now. Shut up." In the Don't next episode, about us. we're yeah, going to be like, shit. we actually have to walk back on a statement we made. Amazon is actually <laughs> taking such good care of their workers. Um, Actually, Jose, real quick, I had something to say. I just got a notification from PayPal, uh, and this is just totally off my head and organic. This is not a pre-read statement, but uh, let me... <clears throat> Amazon treats their workers very well. <laughs> they do not promote a, a virtual and modern form of slave labor. And we should all bow down to our corporate overlords. That was just off the top of your head? Wow. Yeah, that was just my feelings huh. on it, not a giant check and a statement I was supposed to read. But yeah, so you can no longer support the show through that, but you can always still sign up for just a free 30-day free, 30 free trial of um, Audible, and that actually gets us more money than the other thing was getting us. So, yeah. Okay, but are you ready to start with New Mexico, Mason? I'm ready to start with New Mexico. Oh, fuck yeah. Then let's move to the land of enchantment, the green chili capital of the world, Nuevo Mexico. Dude, Um, green chili is fucking delicious. I fucking love green chili. I Um, love it. So I didn't have this obsession, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm from Iowa. I don't really have a whole lot of, like, state pride. Mm -hmm. Um, But my girlfriend is from New Mexico. Yes. And I've been down there. And don't get me wrong. I'm not a big fan of hot weather. Mm -hmm. But seriously, the food in New Mexico and, like, most of what I've seen from New Mexico is genuinely pretty cool. I kind of get why she loves the state so much. I have never been to New Mexico. But as a kid, when I first came to the U.S., and I heard of New Mexico, I was like, why is there a New Mexico? I thought the old one was pretty good, but... Um, no, it's dumb because you don't have the freedoms that's that right. New Mexico has. <laughs> New Mexico is no stranger to alien encounters. Of course, the most famous being the Roswell incident of 1947. But there is another strange alien story. Was it 1947 or was it 19... Doesn't matter. But there is another strange alien story. One that has survived into the modern day. Located at the border of Colorado and New Mexico is a quaint little town by the name of Dulce. It has a population of under 3,000 and is the tribal headquarters of the Jicaria Apache Reservation. Apache Reservation. It is also the alleged location of a secret underground alien base. And according to some, a war has been waging between the aliens and the U.S. government there for nearly 40 years. According to conspiracy theorists, 
The Dulce uh, Subterranean Base is a seven-story underground compound that houses human-animal hybrids, human-alien hybrids, and incredibly advanced technology. The first claims of the base existence, according to How Stuff Works, date back to the <laughs> 1930s. It's weird that they have an article on this, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But the rumors of alien intervention in the area didn't start to gain traction until the 1970s when a former New Mexico State Police trooper named Gabe Valdez documented unexplained cattle mutilations in the area. Valdez would go on to make even wilder claims in the subsequent interviews, including sightings of a black, silent, quote, sophisticated spacecraft and the discovery of a fetus inside a dead cow. Well, but that's was, not that big of a deal. It was not a calf fetus, Mason. But Never rather, mind, that's a big deal. As Valdez put it, it looked like a human, a monkey, and a frog. <laughs> Valdez. I'm pretty sure all human fetuses look like that. Right? Human fetuses I mean, are gross. Valdez said this while speaking to History Channel's UFO hunters, adding, "It didn't have any bones in the head. It was full of water." I don't yeah, think no, fetuses have, fetus have bones, bones in their head when they're a fetus. I, no. I, I don't think Valdez comprehends human biology. <laughs> Another addition to the lore comes from Tim Anderson, a former police officer in Dulce, who claimed to have seen a UFO one night in the 90s that, quote, lit up the whole valley and just disappeared into the rocks. But these two claims are hardly the wildest to come from this legend. See, that is where Philip Schneider comes in. Schneider was an explosive engineer who worked for the U.S. government, who had high-level security clearance and also claimed that in 1979, he participated in the building of a secret underground base in Dulce, New Mexico. This was part of a program known as DUM-DUM, or Deep <laughs> Underground Military Bases. <laughs> This guy is definitely fucking with us. I that's that's the thing about Philip Schneider. I don't know because to, to willingly say that he was part of an operation known as Dumb, I just uh, I that's got he's got to be fucking with us. No one, no one would no no it, unless maybe they were smart enough to be like no one will believe it if they we maybe, call it the Dumb maybe program. Maybe. It was there, it was it was there that he claims a horrific battle took place that claimed the lives of 60 humans as well as numerous subterranean aliens who were fighting for their life. Schneider claims he became suspicious of the operation when he noticed there were green berets and special forces around the area. Mm, His... You know, I was had no problems with this dumb operation. Until I saw green berets and special forces in this secret base. I like how this guy, this guy supposedly gets hired to construct an underground base for the U.S. government. And he's like, yeah, this is pretty normal. But then when berets <laughs> and special forces are walking around with guns, he's like, hang on a minute. Hey, excuse me. Hey, you, you with the green beret. Yes. What military branch are you in? The red berets. Why isn't your beret red, then? You're asking too many questions, man. You're going to get us both killed. <laughs> his fears came to life one day when, while digging, him and his colleagues came face-to-face -face with a seven-foot gray alien. He claims the alien shot at him, and he was saved by a green beret who gave his life to save him, but not before Schneider lost some fingers. Admit Hold on, mm -hmm. big no 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 yeah, yeah, no no yeah. no! You stop reading, Jose. Yes. So he was digging because he was like an explosive engineer that worked for the U.S. government, and they were constructing. Right, he this was lab. building the bunker. Right, right. He's building a bunker. He's just digging. Right. He un he digs up an alien. It's a and bit the alien's <laughs> first reaction is I'm gonna shoot you. Yeah. So. It's a bit confusing because the, the thing that was really frustrating about this case while researching it was literally all of the articles on this are the exact same. Like, none of them thought to do any research. They just copied from each other. So they all tell the story almost exactly the same. So I'm assuming he... I'm assuming this is what occurred in my mind, how I picture it. He dug and the sort of... It kind of gave away, and beneath, be, behind it, 
was the alien's whole operation, and that's where he came face to face with it. That's so how I sleep just... at night. <laughs> okay, so you sleep at <laughs> you sleep at night under the thought that he didn't dig up an alien; he dug up an entire alien <clears throat> underground room. <laughs> yes. That had no other entrances. It was just buried underground. Correct. And then the alien, upon being dug up... Said, I'm going to kill this dude. Shot at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a green beret... Yes. Dove in front of him. Naturally. Giving up his life. Of course. And But then what happened? What happened? Well, <laughs> the alien only had a... <laughs> did he have a musket? Did he only have one shot? Yes, he had to... <laughs> That's him reloading. Yeah, yeah. So, admittedly, this all already sounds like a UFO conspiracy where, you know, that's it. Just crazy kookiness. But there are some strange coincidences and happenings that could make you think twice about the story. Uh, But, yes, to answer your question, according to Schneider, afterwards, it was him and two other people that survived this battle and he was able to get away, but everybody else died. It doesn't make a lot of sense, Mason. (laughs) It's better to just 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 take it at face value, okay? Now, was Phil Schneider was he like a contractor or like what what was his job exactly? Look, man, I'm just doing a podcast. <laughs> Did he get hired to build this underground base? I I don't know. I'm just recording in my bedroom, okay? Look, you're asking too many questions. You better Mason, stop right now, or you're gonna get us both killed. killed. I just shoot you with text, and I'm like, dude, it's not funny. Stop. Seriously, stop it. They've got a gun to my head. Okay. Oh, hold on, Jose. Someone's at the door. Let me, I'll be right No, back. Mason, no! Uh, hey, Jose, I'm back. I just wanted to apologize for asking all those questions earlier. I actually am not that curious. It sounds like everything he said was straightforward, and I have no more questions. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, that sounds really uh, suspicious, but okay. Um, so... Schneider devoted, after the battle, Schneider devoted his life to becoming a whistleblower and exposing as much as he could of the events that supposedly took place in Dulce. No, that's it. My name is Phil Schneider, and I, Phil Schneider, am going to dedicate my life to being a whistleblower. Are you taking your pants off? What was that noise? Oh, you have a whistle. No, Mason, not that kind of whistleblower. The Wu-Tang Clan is actually interested in hiring me to be their whistleblower on their new upcoming album. Wow, that's amazing, Phil. I am so happy for you. Any who's the beat? Did I ever talk about the time the aliens tried to murder me, but then a Green Beret sacrificed his life for me? I fucking love you, Phil. Never stop being you. There are actually videos of Schneider explaining the experiments he witnessed taking place underground. And it is uh, his fate that leads to the conspiracy. See, Schneider spent the later part of his life giving speeches about his alleged experience at the underground base and claimed he was being observed by government agents. And that if he ever was found dead, uh, that if he ever was found to have committed suicide, we could assume he was murdered. And in 1996, Schneider was found dead with the cord of a catheter wrapped around his neck. And it was labeled a suicide. Cord of a catheter? Yeah, that's fucking gross. Um, Yeah. But isn't it kind of interesting that he was always like... I mean, maybe he did just commit suicide, but maybe he didn't, Mason. Uh, Maybe he did and was just using committed suicide as a way of furthering his uh, agenda. Maybe, or maybe he didn't. Now, here's another bit of interesting information that should be added. And this comes directly from uh, Gaia.com. Or Gaia. I think it's Gaia. The story of Paul Benowitz. Benowitz? Benowitz. The story of Paul Benowitz, a key figure in the... (laughs) Why do I put these words in that I can't read? Why do I do this every time to myself? Perpetuation. Perpetuation of the Dulce Air Force Base story adds another king to the narrative. In the 70s, Benowitz researched clandestine government programs conducted at the Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque. Benowitz's research revealed information he said made government officials nervous. To prevent him from further discovering secret programs, government operatives, namely Richard Doddy, were tasked with feeding Benowitz false stories about alien bases in New Mexico. 
He says they employed the help of a famous UFOologist, William Moore, who co-authored the Roswell incident. Dottie and Moore's efforts drove Benowitz to the brink of paranoid insanity. It seems that much of the prop propagation of the Dulce Air Force Base battle can be attributed to Benowitz and the government's insidious operation to subversively drive him insane. If Benowitz's story was proven to be fabricated by Dottie, where does Schneider's story fit in? Was he also manip manipulated into believing the stories told to Benowitz, or was he uncovering other secrets that the government didn't want him to know? One of the subjects Snyder often discussed, in addition to the Dulce story, was the government's black budget for classified programs. Was Schneider on the cusp of exposing nefarious government projects, or was the government afraid he worked for the Soviets? Whatever the case, the implications of government foul play are more than evident. Mason, what are your thoughts? Spooky or just X-Files kooky? Holy shit. First off, let me recap real quick. Yes, please do. First off, Paul Schneider. Paul Schneider, explosive engineer he, for the government. He he comes out and says all this alien shit happens. Battle. Green Beret, sacrificed yes. himself, cried. Yep. Now, Paul Benowitz. Benowitz. He comes in and he is... What is he? He's doing research into um, he, he's doing research into clandestine government programs, so shady ass programs in the seventies uh, okay. that shouldn't and, that and if the public knew about would be shut down. It's a very Stranger Things esque okay. thing, right? Think and Stranger Things and um, the bald guy who uh, um, helps the Nancy and um, crybaby Will's brother, whatever the fuck his name is. Okay, gotcha. Let's move on from that. Paul Benowitz, he's <laughs> doing research on shady government programs, and the looking to expose the truth. Yeah, is a f allegedly he finds something that the government doesn't want him to find. Allegedly, he stumbled onto something that, or, or his research came to a point where he had information that made the government nervous about it getting out. So the government. So the government. Hires I'll, two I'll, two guys. Well, they a, Agent Dottie, right? In okay. a in a move that is very reminiscent of Project MK Ultra, mm -hmm. decides to take this sane man who, you know, was just doing what he felt was right. Okay. Uh, decides to do the government, the classic U.S. government thing of being like, "Shut the fuck up, we're gonna make you go crazy." So he starts feeding him a bunch uh, of fake. Stories information, and information along with a famous ufologist, ufologist um, ufologist, William Moore, William Moore. They start concocting these stories and feeding them to Benowitz, Benowitz, um, to make him think that because he had been taking his job very seriously at this point, right? So all of a sudden, these these contacts that he thinks are um, trusted sources they start feeding them these crazy and crazy fucking stories so he's thinking well these are reliable sources so the government like there's some really fucking crazy shit happening in new mexico so much to the point where he uh -huh. is on the brink of insanity and okay yeah <laughs> it's kind of weird right it took a weird twist at the end there right i mean it's definitely a conspiracy yeah. who knows what is true and what is not this last part is reportedly true that that Benowitz was actually driven insane by false information, but you know, interesting. I think it's fucking kooky to, or spooky to me. Yeah. Not okay. Well, no, actually, it's I think the story, the idea of the dual say airbase or underground alien base existing, is kooky. I think it's kooky. So the story is kooky to me. But what I think is spooky is the potential government involvement. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's kind of like a two-parter here. Right, because I would... It's it's not... I don't... The alien right. shooting the yeah. battle is kind of kooky. But the idea of the government feeding misinformation, especially in the 70s, to, yeah. to, to reporters who are digging in on them uh, is not uh, too far-fetched for me. Uh, you know, actually, Jose, I used to be... Uh, I used to live in Havana... I used to make my living picking the banana. Oh, yeah? But now, I'm just a guy for the CIA. Hooray for the USA. You know what I'm saying? Baby, baby. You know what I'm saying? You make me loco. Baby, baby. Why don't you make me mambo? Oh. 
Everybody um, go listen no. to Havana by the Ramones. Yeah, um, but uh, Havana Fair. Oh, Havana Fair, I always forget. Yeah, but no, no, I think you're, yeah, the idea of the government uh, feeding, uh, you know, and not that I necessarily believe this specific case mm-hmm. is true, but that is... But we know Project MK Ultra was true, and so it's like, oh, so stuff God. like that, yeah. you know what I mean, where they yeah, fucking fully, murdered fully innocent That's men terrifying. just to see what fucking drugs... Hey, it's, let's see, uh, why don't we see how much LSD we can shove into a person oh and then God, really dude. freak them out? If if people are interested, we uh, this show has already done an episode on uh, MK Ultra. it's episode 10 where we cover conspiracies and cover-ups. This was before Mason's time, but you can go and check it out. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. so sp- the, I'd say kooky, though. Yeah, I'm with okay. you. Okay. I, I agree. There is a story in New Mexican folklore that has been used to terrify children for decades. The story of La Mala Hora. La Mala Hora is Spanish for the bad hour, and this strange demon-like entity is said to be a harbinger of death. I fucking love that word. Harbinger? Always makes me think of Mothman. It just reminds me of uh, uh, Mass Effect. If you ever played the video game Mass Effect, I know what you're talking about. Yes, their main enemies were the Harbinger. Oh. Doesn't matter. She is also often referred to as La Malora, La Malora, La Malorga, or the Evil Doer. She is said to be a wicked spirit that wanders the lonely country roads in search of lonely travelers to terrify, and is often found at crossroads. It appears as a black lump that constantly moves and changes shape, and it can also change size rapidly, growing smaller or larger. They say it looks almost like a ghostly black shroud, or a spooky woman. Um, (laughs) It can also... uh, Anybody who should find themselves unfortunate to encounter this spirit is likely to be driven insane. Are we sure it's not just a government project? (laughs) Who fucking knows, Mason? Maybe, Maybe this is a government project. Maybe they want us to do a podcast on this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hold on. I just got to make a phone call real quick. Yeah? He knows. He knows. What'd you say, Mason? He just uncovered it. Hey, one second, Jose. (laughs) Haha, podcasting buddies. Hey. Hey. He fucking knows. Fucking Storm now. Code Storm. Hang on. There's there's somebody at my door, Mason. I got to go. You should definitely answer it and not be suspicious. Hi! Get on the ground! Oh, what the fuck is going on? Uh, they say that she can um, hypnotize and paralyze anyone that happens to encounter it at night. Uh, when it attacks, it suddenly rushes toward its victim, envelops them, and suffocates them. And there is a very famous story that is associated with La Mala Hora that goes a little like this. One, well, two, three, oh, four, five, guys. everybody. <laughs> Come on, let's ride from the liquor store to... You know what I'm talking about? Are you doing Mama a number bit of five. Monica yes. On the side, a little bit. Okay, Erica, Mama. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so a, a woman. Little is, bit of, okay. <laughs> a woman is home alone. He is German. Isn't that strange? Lubega. Yeah. He's from Germany. It's insane to me. Okay. Mumbo number five. <laughs> a woman is home alone as her husband is away on business. Her friend calls her crying, telling her that she's divorcing her husband. The woman decides to drive over to her friend's house and spend the night with her and try to console her. She calls her husband to let her know, and he approves. The woman makes her... <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, good I know. Note. This is a bit Thank of a... God. Yeah. He approved. The woman makes her way to her friend's house, who lives a couple of hours away. She does Jesus, her best to stay away. That's a long ways away. But what? That's a long ways away. Yes. Putting the window down and letting the cold night breeze hit her face. As she nears her friend's house, she begins to feel uneasy and puts the window up. Suddenly, as she comes to a crossroads, a woman appears in front of her car. A woman that was not there before. The driver slams on the brakes, and as the dust clears, the apparition is gone. The woman breathes a sigh of relief as she looks to her right, and there at the window is La Mala Hora, staring back Hola. at her with evil eyes. Hola. Oh, Jesus Christ! Hola. What, what, do you, what do you want? Donde esta la biblioteca? No, not la biblioteca! Uh, puedo ir al patio? No! I should have... We should have done that the opposite yeah, way, because you know Spanish, no, so you it could was have better said things in Spanish. Ma- Instead, I just asked where the library is, and can I go to the bathroom? La Mala Hora begins clawing at the glass, trying to break it, so the woman puts the pedal to the metal and begins to accelerate out of there as quickly as she can. 
but for a moment, it seems La Mala Hora is keeping up, running alongside the car and continuing to claw the window. Oh, that's actually, that, I, just that like image is actually legitimately terrifying. Oh, the one that I've included here? Or, no, oh, no, no, you're saying like the, the image, image. Yes, I, I agree. As I was writing along this. along the side of the car, as, car scratching I, the window. As I kept, rec- as I was uh, researching this, I had to, every fucking second, I was looking over my shoulder. <laughs> I was oh, just God, getting yeah, freaked bad. out. Um, La Mala Hora um, eventually falls behind. As the woman looks in her rearview mirror, she sees La Mala Hora begin to grow until she passes the trees. She mutters some words that the woman cannot make out and then fades into the distance. The woman arrives. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you, you fucking bitch. What? What did she say? God fucking. Sorry, bro. I gotta keep her. She's trying to make me attached to the car. Oh my god, this is so much easier when cars (laughs) exist. The the woman arrives at her friend's house and explains her encounter. Her friend explains that it was La Mala Hora, stating that she only appears when someone is about to die. The woman struggles to sleep that night and waits until morning before deciding to go home again. Well, duh. I mean, she was planning on staying the night. This doesn't make any sense. This time, avoiding the crossroads. As she arrives at her home, she finds a police car waiting for her, and she is given the unfortunate news. Her husband was mugged last night on his way back to his hotel. He was shot in the head and died instantly. And it all occurred right after midnight, the time the woman encountered La Mala Hora. Uh, good fucking riddance. Uh, that guy sounds like he was a sexist if he, she had to call him and ask for approval to fucking go to her friend's <laughs> house. So riddance. fuck that guy. Uh, um, hello. Hey, um, hey, Ted? What the fuck? <laughs> I can't do that. I was gonna... I was gonna... <laughs> simulate an abusive relationship but that's just no you didn't have to do that i thought we could do it normally oh okay sorry uh yeah spooky or kooky um i'm gonna say it's spooky just because i'm still terrified of the thought of her like like i can easily see this being a bloomberg Mm -hmm. movie you know what i mean it reminds me of the nun a lot Uh uh of her just like clawing at the window as it's going like the car's going like at high speeds that sole description is what makes it spooky for me yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also, not, like, any spooky in a way that's like, oh, it's real, and that's right. why it's scary. It's just spooky in the sense that, like, like it's just literally scary to a match. Well, and I always, I'm a big fan of Harbingers of Death. Like, I love this and the Mothman, and I just think it's interesting. Richard, do you love Richard Gear? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Mothman, so um, Richard Gear. This next story comes to us thanks to Mason's girlfriend Cheyenne, and it's the story of um, the Loretto. Chapel Staircase or St. Joseph's Staircase as it is known. I think Cheyenne is there with Mason joining us live. We're talking about the Loretto Chapel Staircase. Would you like to would you like to sit in for a second and talk about it? Okay. Hello Uh, Cheyenne. Go ahead. Can you talk for me Jose? Yes. Hello. So she is here. She can't hear you though. She can't? She kind of can. She kind of can. Okay. Well, um, well, I don't know, uh, Cheyenne, so I didn't even know about this, and it wasn't on a lot of my lists, and it, I don't think I would have talked about it if Cheyenne hadn't suggested that we bring it up. Do you kind of want to tell us what you've heard about this legend, Cheyenne? Because you're from New Mexico. Okay, so the version that I heard back in the day uh, when I was growing up about the chapel was that whenever they're getting ready to build it, they're having problems finding someone who is capable of building you know, staircases, and that the people of the town at the time sent out, you know, notices to neighboring cities and everything that they're looking for someone who could, you know, help them finish this project. And uh, they said that one day some wanderer came into the town and said that he could do the job for them. And so this guy comes in and, you know, he's really nice. He kind of keeps to himself, but... Uh, within like a night he's able to build the staircase and the rest of the you know myth or legend whatever is kind of blurry but they basically it comes down to like the people believed it was Jesus kind of coming back to earth and like helping them finish their stairwell was the version that I grew up hearing so have you ever have you ever been to it have you ever been to the chapel uh, yeah, I actually went when I was really little. I was probably five or so, and, you know, the whole place is kind of t- more turned into, like, a museum mm-hmm. where nobody's been allowed to, like, walk on the staircase for, like, a century. Really? And it's kind of like this, 
you know, like this awe object that the that the state has. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thanks, Cheyenne. Yeah, of course. That was Cheyenne Hawkins, the prettiest voice on podcast. Why do you do this, Mason? Why do you always got to rub your girlfriend in my face? I'm sick of it. Gross. I don't rub my girlfriend in your face. That'd be gross. You're always like, oh, I'm happier with Cheyenne than I was with you. Whatever. We get it. We never lived together, Jose. Doesn't I can't matter. say that Doesn't for sure. Matter. I may um, have been happier with you. Oh, stop. Not here. <laughs> Uh, but yes, Cheyenne did an excellent job. That is uh, pretty much the um, the legend uh, as uh, I encountered it. The one thing is um, the one thing that is significant to mention was that there's only 33 steps uh, on the staircase, and 33 is a significant number because it's support, according to some, it's the age that Jesus died at. So it's the age that he was crucified. So Cheyenne said that the version that she's heard is people believe it was Jesus that came back, whereas there's another version where people believe that it was Joseph who came to the rescue. But you heard you heard her explain it, right, Mason? No. You didn't hear that at all? You didn't hear her explain it at all? I heard a, a wandering traveler came to town to build a staircase for a church. Pretty much. That's it. Uh, and it's the, but you you, uh, you see the picture here, right? It's kind of a weird standing yes. staircase. So It's like a spirally staircase. It's right. a cool staircase. Uh, the, um, so yeah, the, the sisters were adamant that it was Joseph who came to the rescue and thus people have given the stairs, the nickname St. Joseph staircase. However, like with all legends, there is some truth to this and it's not nearly as fun as imagining Jesus's adopted dad came Did to Did Cheyenne mention that there Mexico. are no, that there are no nails in it? Yes. Uh, no, she didn't, but that is what we are going to be oh, okay. talking about. So this is directly from historic, um, no, wait, I, no, yes, she didn't, but um, I think I... She just did to me Oh, <laughs> off, off, off microphone. That's why I was asking. Wait, I thought I included it uh, on here. Yeah, yeah so did. there are no central columns or support beams, and it appears that all the weight is self-supported at the base. Uh, the craftsman did not use nails or glue. He only used wooden pegs to secure the steps, and there were no railings back when it was originally built. Those were later added in. Which is fucking crazy. I don't understand how this thing stands. I mean, I don't really know anything about... I'm a contractor in the state of Utah, but I really don't know anything about fucking construction, so... Uh, it's that's like a I mean just not even looking at the 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 railing but like the base mm. like that's crazy smooth it doesn't look like it's like made out of ch- like chunks yeah so this is directly from historicmysteries.com it says Mary J Strawcook a historian researched the Santa Fe stairs for 7 years she compiled enough evidence about the mysterious carpenter that she was able to write a book called Loretto the seven sisters and their Santa Fe chapel in 1984 Cook says that she found an entry in the Nuns' Daybook dated 1881, which indicated that they had paid a man named Rocas for wood. Cook also found a newspaper article in the New Mexican that said Mr. Rocas, or Rochas, had been shot in the chest in his Dog Canyon home, and that it had been a skilled woodworker who built the impressive Loretto Chapel staircase. According to Cook, Francis Jean Rojas was a member of the French secret society of highly skilled craftsmen and artisans called the Com- Compagnons, which has it just, it just looks like French for companions. Yes, which has existed since the Middle Ages. Cook says that Rocas came to the U.S. specifically to build a Santa Fe staircase, and then he had the wood shipped from France. He's buried at the Our Lady of the Light Catholic Cemetery. It's it's a it's a wee, interesting story, but it's still kind of cool that there's a whole secret society of craftsmen and artisans like that's Okay, so fucking fascinating. Just let me- Again, let me recap because yeah. again, Cheyenne was on the mic. I w- I couldn't really hear much. Mm-hmm. So, a guy came into town and was like, "I'll build your staircase so, for you." So there was this chapel that had been built, and right? Be- yeah, yeah. And this architect died before its completion, so he never finished. He never constructed a staircase so they could go to the upstairs choir loft. And uh-huh. A lot of people came in and they. They didn't want to build a grand staircase because the chapel wasn't big enough and they didn't want to use a ladder, which a lot of them used because the nuns didn't, you know, because of their dresses. Yeah, because you don't want to, you don't want to see some nun pussy. No, Mason. You don't want to see any, no. any holy flapping lips. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, so, my mom listens to this. I feel so gross. You should. And so, um, so then this guy, this mysterious, I'm imagining a Sam Elliott looking type. 
stumbles you do, you into <laughs> what? Well, this is apparently Jesus. You think he was white? Oh yes, I, of course. Yes, of course he was. <laughs> well, it, it's either Jesus or Joseph, depending on who you ask. Okay, fair enough. And so he comes into town. He's like, I'm going to build this. He builds it overnight or whatever, and and then he disappears. The nuns they want to they want to thank him, but then he's gone. And then they realize they never asked for his name. He was never paid. He like he just came and went. Um, and they believed that it was Saint Joseph, or it was Joseph, Jesus's adopted dad. Uh, right. Who built it because they had he, prayed. I think you mean Jesus's cuck dad. Jesus has cucked. Jesus's dad, who was cucked by God. An angel. Yes. All right. Um. But he. So they. The reason they believed it was Joseph was because they had prayed to Saint Joseph, the patron saint of carpenters, beforehand. Yeah. Oh, so that's the story. Okay. The legend, at least. Uh, I don't know. A- what do you think? I don't. I mean, it would. I don't think it's in any world it's spooky because it seems really wholesome and nice. Yeah. But I also don't really want to call it kooky either. I think it's legitimately this just fascinating. Is holy. It's full of holes. It's no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll do an exception, and this one will be a holy one. Um. Yeah, I think so. I think it's. Um, I think. Yeah. Sorry, I had to think about that. No, it's like legitimately interesting. It's, I mean, because even it's the cool. idea of. The fact that he didn't use nails, and it's like well, yeah, that's the thing. Is, a, aside from the legend, nice it's str- yeah, it's a very strange constructed staircase. Maybe yeah. I should actually get into construction. Am I, am I doing the wrong thing here? Um, I mean, no, probably not. No, I would get hurt if Jesus so bad. came back. If Jesus came back right now, I bet he'd have a podcast. Oh, definitely, especially during the pandemic. Godcast. Godcast with Jesus. Godcast with Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christo. And uh, Holius Spiritus. Holy Spiritus. Um, All right. And me, Mason Schrader. That's my new podcast <laughs> that I'm plugging. Me and it's called Talking with Jesus. And it's me and Jesus. And we just talk. It's kind of like Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> Jesus would have a Joe Rogan style podcast. Joe Rogan would have Jesus on his podcast if he came back. Um, I don't know think, would. I would like to think that Jesus wouldn't be on Joe Rogan's fucking podcast. I hope he, he wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know how many people I've had that are like, oh, I listen to your podcast. You should do it more like Joe Rogan. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up. We don't need you everybody, to listen anymore. Everybody likes Joe Rogan and it's I don't get fine. it. I've it's fine. I've listened to it and it's fine. I think there are much better podcasts. I have nothing yes. against people that like Joe Rogan. He's fine. No. But he's not the pinnacle of podcasting. If you listen to and him I for will his say this, guess, that's fine. I, that, but who and, listens to right. Joe Rogan for Joe Rogan? And I will stand by this until Joe Rogan pays us an obscene <laughs> amount of money to plug his podcast, at which I will do a full 180 <laughs> fucking spin and say that I love Joe Rogan and he's the height um, of podcasting. Actually, uh, I just got a PayPal notification. Oh, yeah? uh, again, I have another uh, another statement just straight off okay. the top of my head. Um, Joe Rogan is the best podcast. He's a strong, macho, intelligent man who is right about everything, and he didn't pay me to say this. Wow. Right off the top of your head, huh? Right off the top of my head. Jeez, that's beautiful. Hey, do you want to do an ad? Do you? Yes. Let's do it. Hey guys, we got a quick ad break. Okay, so you all know at this point that a recent Pew study found that 27% of adults say they haven't read a single book in the past year, right? We've mentioned it multiple times, and we've said that the main reason is time, right? Look, we all know that devoting time to reading a book can be hard, especially when you lead a busy life and are always on the move. If you're the type of guy, maybe you're Jesus going around building staircases for people, you don't know if you have time to read. But right now, you're in quarantine. Alright, we're under lockdown. You can't go build all those staircases, Jesus. So, you might as well listen to Audible. The world has come to a bit of a standstill because of this pandemic, and so many people are finding themselves bored at home doing the same old boring routine, watching the same old shows and movies, constructing the same old staircases. But like Mason said, that is where Audible comes in. Just because the world has slowed down does not mean that you have to stop exposing yourself to new and exciting stories. Audible boasts a collection of thousands of audiobooks. And right now, you can get a 30-day free trial by going to audibletrial.com slash captainslog or by clicking the link in the show notes. I have recently been listening to Horns by Joe Hill and narrated by Fred Berman, and I am loving every second of it. 
Uh, I know it's taking me forever, but it, that's the great thing about Audible is you can listen to it whenever you want, and you can stretch it out as long as you want. Uh, and if audiobooks aren't your thing, they also have a huge collection of podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals that you won't find anywhere else. So honestly, what reason do you have for not trying Audible? Do you have a reason? Huh? They don't have a little reason. Bitch? You have a little whoa, 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 you have reason, you little bitch? What's your reason, Mason, you little Mason, bitch? Mason. Whoa, okay, sorry. It's just Audible's got such great deals, Jose. They do, and you can go get started on your 30-day trial now by going to audibletrial.com slash captainslog or by, again, clicking the link in the show notes, and you'll be helping us out while helping yourself out. So go get started now, you little bitch, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Do it. Do it. Enjoy it and sign up for Audible. You don't have a reason. And finally, we arrive at my southern neighbors and the nation's valentine, Arizona. Just southeast of Kingsman, Arizona, is a little canyon by the name of Luana's Canyon, or as it is more famously known, Slaughterhouse Canyon. Much better name. Yes. The tale of Slaughterhouse Canyon is a tragic one. A miner and his family moved oh, into Oh, what? A- really? Slaughterhouse Canyon? And what didn't, doesn't no, it's have a happy a really story. Happy- uh, they found gold. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> doesn't have a good backstory? Oh, so everybody lived peacefully. This was a utopia. What should we call it? Slaughter- it was called Slaughterhouse Canyon. Uh, the miner wanted nothing more uh, that. Oh, sorry. A miner and his family moved into a wooden shack in the mouth of the canyon, right? The wife's name was Luana, thus the name of the canyon, and the miner wanted nothing more than to provide for his family and would often venture out for days and weeks in search of gold and food for his family. And the family would survive only by what the father brought to them. One day, the miner... Daddy, daddy. Yes? You know, you know we could be surviving just fine if you had just been a banker in the East Coast. You and your mother, damn it, both of you! Ah, I'm gonna disappear! I'm gonna hop on my mule and not come back! And that's exactly what happened. Because one day, he hopped on his mule and rode off, never to return. It is unknown what happened to the miner. Many say that he was likely killed by robbers or wild animals. But nonetheless, his family desperately waited for his return. As time went on... Mommy... Mommy, should we should we move back to the city and try to survive? No, we should definitely wait for your father to arrive. I'm sure he's coming. It's just it's been a few months and I feel like we could just move. No, you're a child. You don't understand. I ate a pair of shoes yesterday. No, wait, wait, shoes, wait, shoes, wait, wait, shoes, wait, wait. Were they my good shoes? No, they were mine. They were the leather ones. The leather. You could have eaten the suede ones. You can't. The leather ones are made of animal, though. The suede ones are. Yes, but the, they cost so much. We're already what? starving, dude. What are you doing? What's st- uh, exactly? What are you? T- what am I doing? What are oh, you doing? Oh, your father. He will return. No, he. Dad's fucking dead, Mom. <laughs> Take us back to the city. As time went on, the family's food supply ran low until eventually there was nothing left, and the family found themselves starving. Without food and unable to provide for her children, Luna slowly went insane. It's Luana. Did I say Luna? I think you did. I I meant Luana. It's Luana. From like like Moana. Yes. Only with an L. And kills her kids. Her children grew weak (laughs) and constantly cried for food. One day, after no longer being able to bear their cries, Luana decided to put them out of their misery by killing them both and cutting them up into little pieces. You know, oh as you do. Oh my god, every day with you two. <laughs> where, where, where? We want food. We're starving to death. I'm only eight. Jesus Christ, grow up and eat your shoes. Oh my god. You two are the worst. You know what? I'm thinking about what's your name? What's your name, kid? I know you're my I know you're my son, but what's your name? Edward. Did you say Edward or Hedward? Edward. Edward. I'm thinking about making a new soup for us. Would you like some soup, Edward? Mmm, yummy soup. Do you know what I'm gonna call the soup? What are you gonna call it, mommy? I'm gonna call it Edward soup. <laughs> Do you know why? Wait. Is it because it's for me? No. It's because it's from you. <laughs> to me 
made of you. But I didn't. Edward. <clears throat> what? <laughs> <laughs> she um. <laughs> When she had finished, the walls of the wooden shack were painted with red. She took the pieces of her children now down to the... Now that I've painted these, these walls a beautiful shade of red, Edward, it's time to murder you and your sister. <laughs> they were painted red with their blood, Mason. Oh. She, t- she took the pieces down to the river and threw them in. And as she sat there in her blood-stained clothes, she wept as she realized the deed she had done. She began to wail loudly for her children until she herself succumbed to starvation. So came? Should have eaten the children. She de- That's what I thought was going to happen as I was reading this. I was like, oh, she cut them up. She probably made some stew or something, but nope. She <laughs> died mourning the children she had murdered, and many locals say that to this day, you can still hear the cries of anguish echoing off the canyon walls. Spooky or kooky, Mason? Um... I don't know because you didn't really have you this one didn't have the punch that I was waiting for where it was like that never happened no one ever lived there no one's ever lived in that part of the canyon Oh uh, I'm bullshit. sure it didn't happen um I mean I didn't find anything where it was like yeah this family definitely lived there but I also didn't find anything where it was yeah. like this family didn't Fair live enough. there Fair enough I mean that's pretty uh, I like it. it it's good I like it I would have liked it more if she had eaten those kids I think I would have still- too I still also I still like it. I, I would say it's when well, like canyon walls carry sound like that. So like I've been camping and you know like you, in the middle of the night you hear something and it's like yeah you know that's I can see like it's if you not, yeah yeah I get it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm full I'm totally with you. So yeah, I spooky. think it's I like it. I think it's fun. It's a fun story. The skinwalker. Like this is the type of fun urban legend as opposed to like the other ones that are just like terrible urban legends. Yeah. Like, this one you know Where it's what I mean? like it's there was that, a like, man and he was a pickle. And he killed people. He was the pickle Fuck. man of Pennsylvania. Turned himself into a pickle, bro. Funniest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. <laughs> um. Oh, jeez, we've uh, reached just peak, peak dad. Yeah. Uh, uh. But no, no, no. For real though, I. Uh. It's this is the type of one that you know you 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 tell when you're camping. Yes. You know what I mean? Like huddle around. This one's got that like that like genuine when horror. You're cutting story up your atmosphere. friends at a camping trip because you're starving. Yeah. Yeah. The Skinwalker legend is an interesting one. Although the origins are hard to pin down, as f- uh, from my understanding, the Navajo people don't like to speak about this legend, but it basically goes like this. A skinwalker, or as it is known in the Navajo language, Yinaldushi, which I believe <laughs> <laughs> which I believe translates to um, he who walks on all fours, is a medicine man or woman who has achieved high priesthood in the tribe, but chooses to use their powers for evil and inflict pain and suffering. To become a skinwalker, you must commit the most evil of deeds and take the life of a close family member. From there, they achieve the highest supernatural powers, well, one of which... Don't you have to eat them, too, though? That's uh, Wendigo. Oh. Yeah. We've yep, t- we talked I'm about sorry. it last time. Mm-hmm. Are you sure skinwalkers don't have to eat their family uh, members, no. too? No. Uh, it's just killing. You don't have to eat them. Oh, okay. I'm sure some of the legend is like they do, but you don't have to. If I were a skinwalker... Yes, but we we you know, know I'd this. eat if I killed you, Jose. You know I'd eat you. I know. From there, they achieve the highest supernatural powers, one of which is the ability to transform into any animal they choose. According to the Navajo, uh, one of uh, according to the Navajo Skinwalker legend, these evil witches are typically seen in the form of a coyote, owl, fox, wolf, or crow. Although they That's do so have cool. Yeah, very cool. It's so cool. I would kill you, Jose, to become a skinwalker. I wouldn't even think about it. I'd probably kill Cheyenne to become a skinwalker. <laughs> Cheyenne, get out of there right now. Yeah, she did not give me a good look when I said that. Although they do have the ability to turn into any animal they choose, the Navajo people seem to be truly terrified of this legend. They fear even speaking the name of the creature, as it is believed by some the more you say their name the closer it draws them towards you. Skinwalker, 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 no, no. skinwalker. I feel so bad because this is like making fun of someone's culture, which is it's mean. <laughs> Typical but white I, man. I know. I feel bad, but I just, they're so cool. Yeah. Uh, I was actually warned once uh, by someone who had knowledge of the native legends and stories uh, to never speak the word in areas where they have been reported as it can draw them back. 
Uh, there are many tales that have come from the reservations in various states of encounters with skinwalkers, and Arizona is no stranger to this legend. Reportedly, skinwalkers can make people sick, kill livestock, commit murder, control people's minds, they rob graves, and are necrophiliacs. Now, the following is a story <laughs> I found on a website by the name of the Phoenix, Phoenix Enigma. Yes, Mason? I just... I, I just some of those are so dumb, and the other ones it's like to be over to in order to become a skinwalker you've got to kill a family member. Now skinwalkers are capable of murder. It's like yeah, no shit, right? Obviously, because that's how they became one. Uh, but anyway, so this is an excerpt from the Phoenix Enigma. It reads. It was at a campfire gathering near the town of Wikiup sometime in 1999 or 2000. I can't recall exactly. A number of people were invited, including myself and some guys from a road crew who happened to be working in the area. These men were Navajo. It was an evening just like any other, and as it wound down and most of the people left, I took the opportunity to ask our new Navajo friends about skinwalkers. I just came right out and asked, and by the looks on their faces, you would have thought I had just mentioned I had just murdered someone. They all looked at each other, then me, and then one of the guys said, because you don't know, we will tell you. But after tonight, don't talk about this again. I said that I wouldn't, and they proceeded to share their stories. <laughs> you know, I said that I wouldn't. You know, like, like a liar. And then I said no. You know, like a liar. Because here I am, writing an entire <laughs> fucking article about it. It's like a super long uh, post, too. Um, the, the actual thing on their website. Okay, so they all looked at each other, and then they said, you know, we, we don't normally talk about this, but after but we will because you don't know, but don't talk about it. He said that he oh, would Oh, white man, we'll tell you about our skinwalker, but do not ask us again, dick. <laughs> the third man began by telling me that he and two others were drinking at a home one night, when around midnight, one of them got the bright idea to go kill a skinwalker. His friend said that he knew where one had been seen recently and there was a good chance it was still around. They grabbed a 12-gauge shotgun and a knife and the three of them left for the desert. That's... I feel like you need more, but whatever. I, I totally disagree. If you get enough liquor in me and give me a shotgun and a knife, I'll kill you about <laughs> anything you want me to kill you. He said that his mother was carrying on and trying to get them to stop telling them that this wasn't a game, but they left anyway. When they got to the area where the skinwalker was supposed to be, he jumped into the back of the truck with a shotgun. The other friend held a spotlight, which he was scouring the desert with, and the third drove. After a little while, they saw something in the spotlight. He said that it was short and hairy, around four feet tall, and was moving fast on two legs, occasionally oh my God, going was it down me? on all fours. I was going to say, was this just me? sounds like you. Were yeah. you out in Arizona? Do you remember this? It could have been me, I'm not going to lie. And it would go down on all fours and then back up to two again. He told me that he was in disbelief when he first saw it and that he really didn't expect to see a skinwalker as he never really believed in them and was just showing off for his friends. He figured that they would just end up shooting coyotes that night. He told me that for a brief second... True men men don't kill coyotes. All right, Anthony Kiedis wrote a whole song about that. Mm. Why not? I don't know. I don't remember how the song goes. <laughs> He's just got a song that says, True Men Don't Kill Coyotes. He told me that for a brief second, he thought to himself that he would kill it anyway and show everyone and do something good for his people. As his friend raced up behind it in the truck, he took aim and shot it square in the back, which slowed it down considerably. He would later Fuck. learn <laughs> He would later learn that they were driving around 60 miles per hour to catch up with it. As the truck caught up with it, he jumped out of the truck with his knife and tackled it, stabbing it multiple times. Wait, he jumped out of a truck going 60 miles per hour? No, no, no. It slowed down. But he said that as, oh, he later okay. found out that as they were uh, driving Before next to it, yeah. it, it was going, okay. Um, he, he, he tackled it and started stabbing it multiple times. He said that after, after that, everything was a blur of fur, blood, and pain. As he was rolling and wrestling with a thing, he said that he felt a sharp pain in his abdomen at some point that, that at some point then felt wet. He looked up and was staring at the thing straight in the eyes. He said they were indeed red like the legends and that it was the evilest presence he had ever witnessed. By this time, his friend had circled the truck around and was coming up on them. The creature jumped off him and took off running again. What happened next, I will never forget. 
He lifted up his shirt and showed me a scar that looked like a mountain lion had ra- had racked him from ju- raked doesn't it scratched it's him raked. yeah scratched from him just below his left peck to his lower right stomach. He said that it was the dumbest thing he has ever done in his life and warned me against my curiosity for the Yinaldushi. He told me to trust that they were real and that they were not to be played with. It's just Yinaldushi is such a funny. I love it, Yinaldushi. Here is one more story from you, from Thought Catalog, and they actually have a whole list of various stories from people uh, that encountered uh, skinwalkers from around the country that I think uh, people should go and check out. It was an interesting read. I'll include in the show notes. So this happened about 12 years ago. My family owns a farm in the heart of an Indian reservation. One winter, I was home for Christmas taking care of the farm while my parents were away Christmas shopping. As I was home by myself, wailing it's in the night, and all I hear are our cows freaking out. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in the area. No, it's more like this. That's how they freak out, man. Cows are scary. I, I know. I know. What cows aren't scary? Cows are scary when they yell. No, cows are good. They're good boys. They're, good they're girls. spooky. I knew it had to be the wild dogs that are rampant in the area. So I throw on some boots, grab a shotgun, load it up, and head out to the field. You know, like Mason. This was a perfect scenario for a horror movie. It was cloudy, but there was a full moon, and it was breaking through the clouds, just to light up all the snow. I ran out in the middle of the field, and just in time I see two dogs. They're standing up, facing each other, and fighting. I think, perfect. Two for one. So I pump a shell into the chamber of Mr. Twelve Gauge, and then it happened. The two dogs heard the rack. They both stopped, looked over at me, and ran away on their back legs. (laughs) Immediately I froze, and every ghost story about skinwalkers and all the other native legends I grew up with flew through my mind. Keep in mind, I'm a white guy, and up until then, these were all just boogeyman stories the native kids uh, told uh, to scare us. That night, they became real to me. Apparently, you can kill a skinwalker. Uh, To do so, you must discover the identity of the skinwalker and uh, say its name. But Mason... Spooky. Oh God! You said my name. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, I mean that's super spooky because skinwalkers are amazing. Um, a little. Here's a little little tip for advice for anybody who is going to kill something with a shotgun. Rack the shotgun before you get to the thing you need (laughs) to shoot. Seriously, I every movie, book, everything. They wait until they're about to kill something, and they're like. It's like, don't do that. Rack the shotgun so there's a bullet in the chamber before you get to the thing that you're going to kill. Yeah, but then it's not as badass, though. Yeah, but then also, the just the, the image of mentally of, like, two dogs being like, huh? Oh, fuck. And Uh-oh. Just like, like, cause do you know how awkward it is for dogs to walk on their back legs? Well, they weren't dogs, man. Well, I mean, they were dogs. They were just skinwalkers in the shape of dogs. I think this legend is so spooky because I love the skinwalker. I love a lot of Native American legends. Skinwalker, Wendigo, I love all of them. I like Wendigo more for uh, my own personal Yes, reasons. I like Wendigo more. Um, not because I want to eat people like you. I also like I, t- Tall me. Sam was fun to me, too. Remember <laughs> Tall Sam? <laughs> hey, guys. Get the me. fuck out of here, Sam. I'm just God. a guy that's tall. Okay. Get out of here, you fucking disgusting monster. Do you want to kill yourself? What? No, what? Isn't that, wasn't that Tulsa Sam's thing? Did yeah, make yeah, people yeah. kill themselves? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, Sorry. and finally, <laughs> we end our list with a good old-fashioned ghost story. At the heart of the University of Arizona sits Old Maine. It has been there since at least 1891. It is said that when Old Main was being built, a construction manager named Carlos Maldonado, which um, kind of st- sounds like bad in Spanish, mal, mal, malo, that doesn't oh, malo, mal, malo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he would stay overnight in the unfinished structure in hopes of keeping Tuxanos away uh, from burning it to the ground. As they what were are, still unhappy that the university was being built, rather than what they had wanted, a state asylum. You know, because who wants a center of education? I'd rather have a place where I well, can go see someone get lobotomized for being a little depressed. Oh, sorry, what are Tucsonos? Uh, people from Tucson. Oh, Tucson. Tucson? Sorry. It's, isn't it Tucson? Tucson. Yeah, it's Tucson. Cheyenne, agrees Cheyenne you're not from Arizona. Tucson. Stay out of this. 
It's definitely Tucson. I was like, are you th- are you thinking of Tucson? Tucson? Stop saying Tucson. So the anyway, fuck. So anyway, okay. so he, so but they wanted a they wanted a a state asylum, know. yeah, rather okay. than a university. You know, you know how people used sure. to be. Uh, I, I one, mean, I don't know. They're both important. A place where people can get properly lobotomized, healed. No, no, no. No, because this 18, was eighteen ninety. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Currently, a place where people can get appropriate mental health. Yes, is just as yes. important but as an education. Then, yes, I agree. One morning, but after, that's true. Back then, they were just like, "She's on a period. Better put her in the mental <laughs> yeah. asylum." One morning, after one of these stays, workers returned to Old Main to find Maldonado sitting on a chair on the second floor, facing away from the door. Also, hold on. Before we get mm. to this unveiling, how hilarious is it that in 1891 they're like, you're not going to build what we want? Well, how about we burn your building <laughs> to the ground then? <laughs> and not just like, oh, that's a bummer. Maybe we can get it next year. I just being like, fucking oh, we'll love you. the people of the 1800s because they just uh-huh. took action into their hands. They did not give a fuck, man. If they didn't <laughs> like something, they was not staying up. Uh, so they find Maldonado sitting in a chair with his... Uh, back to the door when they get closer they discovered that maldonado had been murdered a knife still stuck in his throat it was said that in order to not scare the public authorities covered up the murder instead saying he had died of a heart attack and legend says that to <laughs> he, this uh, day excuse me uh hello i'm the mayor you all know me i'm just here to announce that uh yes maldonado is uh he has passed away but um although there was a knife found in his throat. Our coroners have uh, announced the cause of death as an apparent heart attack from being so afraid of the knife in his throat. So there's nothing to worry about. There was no murder. He was stabbed in the throat, yes, but technically died of a heart attack. No murder. So the le- so the legend says that um, the ghostly... Uh specter of the murdered man still haunts the symbol of education seeking vengeance for his murder and never resting until his killer is brought to justice spooky or kookity mason um okay first off let me ask though was there any evidence to support that that guy was murdered no i it was all right thing. Uh, in order to find th- there was barely anything written about this legend i only found like two articles so that makes me think that they can't be backed up. Fair enough. I don't know. I still think it's pretty. I still think it's spooky. I like it. I just think it's, it's funny, funny to me that people yeah, are I just so think, mad about yeah, a exactly. that That's, they murdered someone. Yeah. Um, but that is the end of our show. Let's wrap it up, Mason. If you like the show, make sure to leave a five-star review, which you can do in-app. We'd really appreciate it. Plus, you know, it just really helps the show. And uh, we read your review uh, on the show, like uh, we're going to do with KMCSHRA, who goes by another name, as we will soon discover. Uh, She wrote, uh, love the podcast. Quick correction. Mason, your dad did listen to part one. He also texted you. What a great job you did. Thanks for the shout-out. Love, Mom. (laughs) What? Thank you, Mason's mother, for listening and for correcting your son. I love it. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Um, Thanks again to Mason's mom for that lovely review. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash captainsmodcast. Yeah, stop putting dirt on your dad's name, Mason. I was confused. I apologize. (laughs) I will announce my correction as soon as my dad pays me a large sum of money. <laughs> you can go uh, to patreon.com slash captain's logcast and donate a dollar, or similarly, you can also donate whatever amount you'd like on Venmo by Venmoing J Via27. Anything helps keep the lights on, and remember, if you donate, it all goes towards improving the show, getting better recording equipment, etc. And yeah, because we're not at our bug infested studio anymore and we don't have those microphones so we're doing it's our like best our, the buildings we're in are better but the equipment we have is a little bit worse yes but mason where can people find you if they so you wish you can find me on the twitter that i've promised to use more if i get more followers which is at mason s-h-r-a-d-e-r mason schrader uh feel free to follow me and i'll start uh, tweeting if you do 
And you can follow me on Instagram at j.valle, V-A-L-L-E, underscore junior, and the show on Twitter at Captain's Log Pod. We recommend uh, movies. Uh, we talk about, you know, urban legends and post-show updates and uh, all that fun jazz. You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can find me as Jose Valle Jr., Animal Productions, and of course the show's official YouTube channel, Captain's Log. Make sure to tell all your friends and family about the show if you enjoy it, and if you'd like to tell us about how we missed a bunch of details about a certain story or how you totally know someone who came face-to-face with La Mala Hora, please do so by writing in to captainslogcast at gmail.com. You can also suggest episode topics, guests you'd like to have back, etc., Make sure to subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play and any other podcast directory. Thanks to Max Benyon for composing the show's theme. And with that, everybody, we have reached the end of our show. Tune in next time at the same time. Tune in next at this. Tune in. You know what to do. You know to tune in next time on the same frequency for another episode. I have been your captain, Jose Valle Jr., joined by... First Officer Mason Schrader. And this has been Captain's Log. End of transmission. You're gonna do a little pew. Pew.